It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy, how has your week been? Anything new going on? Well, I'm going on that trip. Fun. In a week from Wednesday. I go check out some water in in Perry. Yeah, I'm going to Lucy. So, that'll be fun with her school. It's like an educational tour. So, Mm -hmm. every day it's like a little bunch of stuff. That'll be so much fun. Yeah, so we'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot. Yeah, it'll be fun to spend time with her. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Gilbert Taboni grew up in rural Burundi, where his family raised goats and chickens. They also grew corn, peas, and sorghum. Have you ever had those? Um, I've bought them at the farmer's market before. They also have them like, at New Seasons. It's uh-huh. um, like a little itty-bitty popcorn kernel sort okay. of thing, but really good. Anyway, if he if they needed water, he ran to get it. He ran to and from school. Anything his family needed, he ran to get it, and he was uh-huh. fast. In 1993, he was a high school student, cross-country champion in East African nation, as I said, of Burundi. His Hoodoo teammates turned on him and other members of the minority Tutsi tribe. The country's Hoodoo president had been executed by the Tutsi extremists. So this reminded me a lot of Trevor Noah. Yeah, I was going to say. Those with his mother and... Tabani to Haboni had gotten up early to study for exams. It was his senior year, and he was hoping to earn a scholarship to an American university. This was October 21st, and he noticed a group marching towards his school, and one of his former teammates was holding a knife. They were announcing that they were going to be killing Tutsi students and faculty. They're like, I'm going to slit your throat, and, you know, chanting this as they're walking by. So he runs to the school and asks his headmaster what the plan was to protect the Tutsi people. And the headmaster's response was chilling, to say the least. He said, you killed the president. You're going to see what Jesus saw on the cross. So Taboni and other student leaders gathered the Tutsi students and tried to escape. The group of close to 300 people, they were captured about two miles away. Many were killed on the spot with machetes. A lot of them had their ankles broken, so they couldn't run. More than 100 in the group were bound by rope and marched to a nearby gas station. They were stripped of their clothes and forced inside. The Hoodoos doused eucalyptus branches with gasoline and tossed them through the windows. Taboni witnessed his friends dying one by one. Shielding himself as best he could with their bodies, he was able to escape through a window after eight horrific hours. He made it to the hospital where doctors told him that his injuries were so bad he would never run again. He spent three months in recovery, and he hasn't only proved that he can run again. He's coaching one of the largest running groups in Austin, Texas. Oh, that's awesome. And you'll love this, Amy. He's also founded a charity bringing clean water to more than 115,000 people in Burundi, both Tutsis and the Hoodoos. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just an amazing story of forgiveness. He said... Um, I realize vengeance isn't the solution. It's a cycle that never ends. I chose to forgive. I believe God gave me another chance to live. That's why I'm dedicated to making a difference and preaching peace. So a side note, he was apparently in People Magazine as one of the sexiest people, (laughs) the sexiest men last year. Oh, wow. 
so I guess I'm just slow to figure to find out who he is. And he was painted by the former president George W. Bush in that book. Oh, I gotta get that book. I think that would be a nice coffee one. Table yeah, book with immigrants. Out. Yeah, so cool. Um, and the and George W. Bush knew about him from his daughter Jenna Bush Hager, oh. who had trained with him running oh. in Texas. So small world and such a great story of forgiveness and resilience and that he's helping not only preaching peace, but trying to get water to both sides. I love that. I saw Valerie Bertinelli on the Today Show earlier this year talking about her new book, Enough Already, Learning to Love the Way I Am Today. Oh, I love the title. Yeah. It's a good, good... Good title. I've a, been a big fan of Valerie Bertinelli, starting with a sitcom she was on in the late 70s, One Day at a Time, where she played Barbara Cooper. She also appeared on TV series Touched by an Angel, and more recently on Food Network in uh, Valerie's Home Cooking. I love that show because she makes cooking look so easy, and you feel like you're a guest in her home. So she's really a cook. I mean, she really likes to cook. She really loves yeah, to okay. cook. Um, and then my other favorite is the Kids Baking Championship, <laughs> which she co-hosts oh, with okay. Ace of Cakes, Steph Goldman. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just such a fun team, and they're so encouraging of the kid contestants. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I was really intrigued by this book. The inspiration for the title of the book began in 2019. The Today Show pitched to her to be a part of the Today family. In her first segment, she was going to show how to make a healthy meal and talk about her number one New Year's resolution, losing 10 pounds. I guess the production team had researched losing weight and eating healthy are the most popular resolutions people make every year. She wrote in her book, something just didn't feel right. She said, it just can't be about weight anymore. And really, it goes deeper than just a number on a scale. She talks about losing the same 10 pounds for 50 years and about getting on the scale since she was 13 years old. Then it dawns on her, why has she made her happiness contingent on a number that she, that will never satisfy her? So, enough already. Which I think so many women can relate oh, to this. Oh, totally. And probably men too. Um, this change in course was huge for her. In an interview she did with Hoda and Jenna, again, here we go, from the Today Show, she opened up about how she spent her life pleasing others, pretending to be bubbly. She tearfully talked about losing her parents. Valerie wanted to get rid of the heavy emotions she's been carrying around all these years and call off the diet. So the Today Show ran with her idea and introduced Valerie to Angie Johnsey, a mind coach who specializes in teaching people how to deal with emotional pain without using food as a crutch. Angie focuses on listening to your thoughts, cutting sugar, and exercise. And as Valerie points out, the last two are pretty obvious. Valerie finds the most difficult part uh, is dealing with the anger, sadness, and failure she's felt over the years. Angie showed Valerie a method for organizing or housing her thoughts in various rooms. It sounds like Maria Kondo, organizing expert, yeah. but for the brain. Uh, she encouraged Valerie to listen to her thoughts carefully, hear them again as part of an ongoing conversation, identify them, and put them in the appropriate room in the brain. Hmm. Sounds kind of fascinating. And get rid of the ones that, that aren't, aren't. Yeah, doing yeah. So the majority of things go in the mission room. Mm-hmm. There are thoughts of, um, that you have most control over, like thoughts about going to the grocery store, going to the doctor, finding a book. The tougher room is the God room for thoughts about being happier or worrying about a loved one. There's also a trash room for self-criticism, criticism, excuse me, doubts and anxiety. I love that room. Yeah. 
I love the concept and the way to process. Uh, Valerie writes in this book about her incredible journey on self-discovery, uncovering deep pain, beginning in early childhood, and her battle with low self-esteem. Valerie was born in 1960 and sadly into a void of not enough. Her mom lost her older brother at 17 months to an accidental poisoning while she was pregnant with Valerie. Her brother had wandered off and ate something poisonous and died. Oh, wow, that's awful. I know. And no one talked about it. Valerie didn't. Because it was too painful. Yeah, it was yeah. so painful. Uh, and Valerie didn't find out about it and her brother until she was uh, an adult and a mom herself. Hmm. Valerie was third of five children. She grew up in De- the Delaware area, and then uh, when she was 11, they moved to Los Angeles. She met a girl who, di- who acted in commercials. Even though she was super shy, Valerie was super shy, she wanted to act too. She got her first gig on a JCPenney commercial at 12, and that's when uh, she remembers the battle with food and body image began. She didn't enjoy eating a meal again until 2010. Oh, my gosh. Then, at 15, she was cast in Norman Lear's uh, One Day at a Time. She grew up on that show, basically, in front Mm -hmm. of all of America. The show ran for nine seasons. During that time, she met rock legend Eddie Van Halen. They fell in love and married in 1981. And I love reading about Valerie's pregnancy. Ed, um, as she called him, carefully places guitar and play 316 on her belly. 316 is an instrumental name for their son Wolfgang's um, birthday, March 16th, 1990. But I just, there's a picture in the so book. So how'd they know? So he, he named it this song afterwards. Oh, I mean, okay. After but he, made the, okay, he, gotcha, but he gotcha, was gotcha. playing this instrumental. Okay. I mean, there's fun stories about him playing too. Like mm-hmm. um, one time she had to get up early and he's outside with the synthesizer messing around with the jump song. And, you know, she's like, oh, it's such a catchy song, but she was so mad <laughs> that he's playing, playing <laughs> by the door. But anyways. So not no, relaxing. Not sure. relaxing. So no wonder Wolfie is such a talented artist and musician mm-hmm. himself. Uh, Valerie was a stay-at-home mom uh, for the first couple of years of Wolfie's life. She volunteered in uh, his kindergarten class and talks about making lifelong mom friends um, that she still connects with on a regular basis. That surprises me. I, I know. like to hear that. That's I know. Great. She was in her book. She talked about how when she was excited that after, during COVID when they could finally get together again mm-hmm. and they just they met and just talked and talked and talked. So up. yeah, That's I thought awesome. that was really really cool. Uh, sadly, in 2000, Ed was diagnosed with tongue cancer, which would end up being a 20-year battle with the disease. Uh, Ed and Valerie had a deep love and respect for each other, even though their marriage ended in 2007. Their split was, you know, obviously hard and complicated, but they remained close. They spent, even still would spend time together afterwards and talked and text daily. That's sweet. I know. After marriage ended, uh, Valerie said she gained weight and stewed about it and finally signed up for Jenny Craig. Shortly after her divorce, she started dating Tom Wilde, a financial planner. And then around the same time, at 16, Wolfie began. He toured with Van Halen. I didn't know that for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And Valerie would join them on tour. I love how they would comment to each other. This is the sentence they'd always say to each other is, boy, we did make a great son, didn't we? Mm, That's so sweet. Yeah. At 47, she signed up to be the spokesperson for Jenny Craig. She was public and vocal and announced to the world that she was... Fat and her weight was at an all-time high. Talk about an all-or-nothing situation. Putting yourself out there. The stakes are high. I mean, not only disappointment, but public shame. Um, Valerie admits that she wasn't trying to get healthy or deal with the reasons for the weight gain, like the deep feelings of unhappiness or sadness or discontent. She she wanted to be thin, and Mm -hmm. she recognizes the two aren't the same. 
She recalls following Jenny Craig program like a nun, <laughs> she calls it, who had taken a vow of celibacy, which is truly how she felt too. I mean, the numbers, the counting calories, the weekly weigh-ins, it was exhausting. A bikini shoot was set when she met her goal. Valerie bar- barely ate the week prior. She was on the cover of your favorite magazine, People. <laughs> I looked it up. It's pre- it pretty cute. She's in like a teeny greeny, green, teeny green bikini. Say that five times. I know. That's that was kind of tongue tongue. Yeah. But along with the cover, Jenny Craig ran a commercial nonstop of her doing a back dive into the pool saying, nothing, now nothing's stopping me from diving into summer. She said she was happy that day, though she almost fainted on the oh, set. Lack of, lack of food. Yeah. And she felt good that she had put her mind to something accomplished, mm-hmm. something really hard. But the feeling didn't last, and nor did the weight loss. Uh, as she puts it, the, uh, the feelings lasted about as long as the bubbles in the celebratory mm-hmm. champagne. So... Well, a lot of the biggest losers, if yeah. you look at them now, yeah. they have gained all their weight back, plus some, most of them. Well, you know, I think so. she finds that there's something more that yeah. she needs to, deeper that she needs it's to address. It's not the number on the scale. Right. She's 100% right. So Valerie continued to struggle every morning with getting on the scale, and that would set the tone for the mm-hmm. rest of the day. She never thought about enjoying her meals. At the end of the day, she either felt cheat like she cheated or she slipped. Even after running the Boston Marathon a few days Mm. before her 50th birthday and finishing in five hours and 15 minutes, she looks at the picture of her crossing the finish line, exhausted and elated, and all she can think is, oh, my God, my thighs are so big. Mm. So typical of a woman, though. Yeah. Yeah, we just... I mean, we're all guilty of that. Rip ourselves apart. A few years later, in 2010, she had a speaking engagement in Delaware, which gave her a chance to have a mini uh, family reunion at her aunt Adeline's house. Her aunt's basement kitchen held so many memories. Uh, Valerie said she smiled when she entered the kitchen, the basement kitchen. Her aunt had a pot of capoletti in brado. It's a small, it's like small meat filled pasta in like a broth on the stove, which is interesting. I, my mom, my mom's grandmother, um, was Italian, even though mm-hmm. she's a step grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, she had a kitchen in the basement too. I remember oh. seeing that going and visiting her in Queen Anne, and they were making pasta. And so it must be a thing. Maybe hmm. it's the way to. I don't know, but she did have a kitchen too. I thought Maybe that was interesting. Cooler down there. Okay. Yeah, I don't That's know. So interesting. Yeah. So she reunited with her family and the food she grew up on. The mini family reunion sparked an interest to reconnect with her Italian roots. So the following year, she took a trip to Italy with her husband, who she married uh, in 2011. They visited Rome and Venice. And Valerie just fell in love with uh, the history as well as the food. She commented it was the first time in 40 years she enjoyed a meal. Oh, my gosh. She said that she didn't say, this will be my cheat day. Valerie savored every bite. And after the trip, she decided she wanted to do a cookbook. Her mom sent her all her tried and true recipes. And this was also a bridge to communicate for her and her mom in a new way. Because mm-hmm. since Valerie was in her teens, her and her mom have both been on a diet. I think that's very common too. Yeah, I think so too. Sadly. She also started having a new conversation with herself about life. This was not going to be a diet book. Valerie says this experience was about a kind of a coming out of sorts. Mm-hmm. She's coming out of the pantry. She wasn't just de- declaring herself fat or thin. She was declaring herself free. I love that. Uh, she wanted to be authentic. And she did worry, you know, after years of being a spokesperson for a famous diet company, how her cookbook would re- mm-hmm. re- you know, be received. She worked with professional testers and editors 
in the end, she was proud of the cookbook. Shortly after that, she came up with another idea for a cookbook that would explore her Italian roots. And so she was talking to her manager, and he suggested pitching a TV series to Food Network, which led to Valerie's Home Cooking. Mm. Not only was she stepping out a new role as a chef, she was also working with Betty White, Wendy, awesome. Malika, and Jane Leaves on Hot in Cleveland. So after spending the week shooting hot in Cleveland, Valerie headed to New York um, and was practicing recipes in Food Network's test kitchens in Manhattan. Busy girl. I know. This definitely was a new chapter in Valerie's life. Cooking enabled her to reconnect with everything she denied herself and missed. She described it as amazing, yet at times she still felt like an imposter, even though nothing was disingenuous. She wrote about the experience working on Hot in Cleveland, gave her a gift that turned into five years of pure joy. By 2015, Valerie thought Ed was going to beat cancer, and after he battled the disease in various parts of his tongue and throat for the you know past 15 years, he had a motorcycle accident, and then they learned that it spread to other areas of his body. Yet they remained hopeful. Uh, More pain came to Valerie as she writes about making her mom's lasagna for her parents in the summer of 2016. That was the last time they would eat together. A few months later, her dad fell and never recovered and passed away. Mm. And sadness came in waves. She talked about being thankful, though, for hearing herself, you know, go see your parents, check in on Ed, follow, you know, her passion. Yet she also kept hearing the criticism that you need to lose 10 pounds. Valerie made that connection um, that when you carry around a heavy bag of emotions, you don't deal with them, and eventually you become that heavy bag, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good analogy. Also, when you tell yourself you're fat, you don't hear the kind things people say, like you're nice, you're funny, you're smart, you're generous, which is a really good point. You're still in that that negative um, talk or narrative. More loss came in 2019. Valerie's mom passed away in her sleep. Her body had been slowly breaking down. She got a call from her brother on the way to Kids Baking Championship. She still went to work. Ed called her in the makeup chair, and they had a real touching talk. And he sent a picture of himself with her mom. Uh, And it really sent the message to both of them, don't waste time. Then COVID hit, and everyone was shut in. She didn't see Ed or Wolfie for months. Of course, they texted and FaceTimed. But she did have a chance to, like, slow down. Uh, She talks about watching her cats purr, seeing the dogs (laughs) chase the squirrels. Her flowers bloomed, and she really basked in the quiet. Mm -hmm. It had been almost seven months since she had met uh, mind coach Angie Johnson on the Today Show. And I love that she wrote about counting her blessings. It had eluded her for so many years that she wasn't able to do that. She um, talks about... Years of dieting and cleansing have left her hungry for something, you know, more than what you'd find in a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. She's talking about feeding her soul with compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, kindness, and love. Valerie came up with a 21-gram diet, which has nothing to do with food. 21 grams represents the weight of our soul. I guess when you die, we weigh 21 grams lighter when our heart stops pumping blood to our extremities. It's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting, but... I've never heard of that. Yeah, so day one is entitled permission. Give yourself permission to feel good and see all your good and wonderful positive qualities instead of focusing on your flaws. Love day one. Yep. Day two is compassion. Recognize the struggle and suffering you've endured for years. Good. Day three, forgiveness. And she quotes Maya Angelou, forgive everybody. When you forgive yourself, you're free from anger, hurt, or blame. And letting go makes you feel lighter. 
She talks a lot about this as she's going through this journey that she actually just stops thinking about weight loss, but she feels lighter. lighter. Her feelings are lighter. Day three, or excuse me, day four, whoops, gratitude, sorry. She refers to Betty White that she never saw or met anyone more full of gratitude than Betty White. I love that. She she greeted each day with appreciation of everything mm-hmm. she'd been through and enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the day. Uh, day five is kindness. The way you feel the day before, do something kind for someone else so they can feel that same way. Day six is joy. Step outside yourself, experience other people, and look for joy. It won't come to you. Day seven is love. If you make an effort the previous six days, the seventh day will be effortless. Love enters an open heart. And when you do this for six days, love will enter. I just love this. Me too. It's a nice thing to kind of think about during your week and kind of focusing on. I got to write that in my bullet journal because, yeah, that's good stuff. A few weeks prior to Ed's uh, death, Valerie finds out his condition is worsening and makes a promise to herself to be at the hospital every day. She talks about feeling unprepared, like his cancer just snuck up, even though she's watched him deal with it for the past 20 years. She focused her energy on the present, not wanting to waste a moment. In the end, the the family just all took turns uh, being with Ed. And I love you were the last words Ed said to Valerie and Wolfie. And she said no one had the desire to leave him. Like, and they would not, not now. And more time passes and they're telling stories and suddenly they're cracking up. And she writes, it seems so weird and so right, but so Ed, you know, so love wins. And that's why it hurts so badly. Now Valerie is doing exactly what Angie Johnsey advised nearly a year ago by acknowledging the voice in her head, addressing it and putting it where it belongs. Valerie writes, the sadness doesn't go away as much as she gets better at dealing with it. Months later, she's still healing from losing Ed. She started watching cat videos on TikTok every morning. And she said, researchers have observed that there are actual therapeutic benefits from watching cat videos. (laughs) Who knew? I did not know that. That's too funny. Then she kind of started drifting after looking at the cat videos. She found videos of girls and young women. This is interesting. Taking inverted images of themselves. You know, so she took an inverted video of her toggling between a mirror and this image. And I guess it's a way to kind of get how people see you. And she said at first glance, she thought, oh, I look like my mom. And then a little bit more time passed and she looked at it again. She goes, I'm not ugly. I just, I love her realness. Valerie really shares her journey with her battle with food and self-image. And it's, it's a painful one. She points out that dieting is more than just a number on a scale. It's addressing deeper feelings that cause the weight gain and low self-esteem. I'm inspired by her willingness to talk about the ingrained behaviors uh, she developed over the years and now how she's finding new ways to channel her thoughts and think about not thinking about herself either as fat or thin. Mm-hmm. She includes uh, family recipes in the book. They are really some really good ones, including her mom's lasagna recipe. She hopes this book helps readers find some tips and she admits she doesn't have all the answers. She's just doing the best she can. I love that honesty too. Yeah. So... And I'm just going to throw out there with that in mind, anyone listening, feeling, you know, low self-esteem, body image, or any mental health issues, it's always good to see a licensed professional. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that she was so open about that. So she's open. She's so cute and adorable. She How is. can she not feel amazing? But. Right. But it's it's those that, it's that negative self-talk. Yeah. That yeah. When you forgive, you free yourself from anger, hurt, 
blame, and foolishness, criticism, and stupidity that you carry around inside. Valerie Bertinelli. Teresa, you lent me a cookbook, Life is What You Bake It by Valerie Lomas. It screamed your name at the library. So I just <laughs> loved it. And it is way more, as we talked about, than a cookbook. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is filled with beautiful photos of jaw-dropping sweets from Red Velvet Sheet Cake, which the frosting on it is like oh so thick. I just love it. To vanilla ganache macarons. And much, and, and much more. But it also tells the story of Valerie Lomas, uh, lawyer turned baker. Valerie quit her job as a lawyer to compete on the great American baking show. And although it seems like a rash decision, Valerie had been working early mornings, nights, weekends, baking for her Instagram account, um, all while going to law school. Mm-hmm. So her love so of her passion was cooking. Was cooking. Baking. Baking, baking yeah. And it and her it began from her Southern Louisiana upbringing. Her granny Willie May often made skillet blackberry cobbler. Sounds really good, like in a mm, like in a cast mm-hmm. iron skillet. Looks sounds great. Um, Valerie went to the University of Southern California, where she explored the wine country too, and I think that influenced her. As she finished up her internship in two thousand nine, she was nervous about finding a job because of the recession. Uh, to cope with the pressure, Valerie invited friends over to bake brownies, which I think is cute. <laughs> So she likes to add, like, zucchini and walnuts. Um, But she continued baking, and she would replicate, like, treats from different um, coffee shops, like these scones or savory tarts, with her help of her flip phone. So she's using, this is 2000, she's got a flip phone. I had to laugh. But she began to chronicle her, her baking on a blog. And this is the perfect creative outlet for her. She's decided not to look for her first law job. Instead, she went to France, where she fell in love with macarons, you know, pretty colored ganache-filled mm-hmm. cookie sandwiches. They're my favorite, too. I have to say there's a bakery in Seattle that we go to that we all love. So when she returned um, from, from France uh, back in New York, she landed her first real job as an attorney and also decided to start her own business selling macarons on the weekends. As much as she, you know, loved baking, she couldn't make a living. Yeah. So she kept her attorney job. She took course and got no sleep. I and got no sleep. Yeah. And she she even took more culinary courses um, and continued to to um, bake. And uh, her followers were growing on Instagram, and she got attention from casting agents, um, mm-hmm. which led to the audition for the Great American Baking Show, which she was cast in, which is so cool. It was filmed in the UK, and it was a thrilling couple of weeks. Uh, Valerie made the a Great sh- American Baking Show is filmed in the UK. It, well, it was filmed in the UK because oh. that's because that the British one, you know, so they were oh, replicating they were that. It. Oh, yeah, so they filmed it there. Uh, kind of in a similar. I can see where they reached out. She's beautiful, and then combined yeah. that with the baking. With the baking, yeah. yeah. So she made it to the finale. She said it was nerve wracking. I guess the ho- hosts and judges, Isha Curry, she's a Canadian actress and also a cookbook author. And Spice Adams is a former football player, actor, comedian. But they were shouting "bake," you know. But she said she tried to remain calm. <laughs> uh, the The final challenge to make this uh, tower of desserts, and she made cheesecake along with these two other desserts, and. Of course, you know what? She won. She was thrilled. Um, But she had to keep it to herself for months after she got back to the U.S. Yeah. So the show finally premiered. So she invited a whole bunch of her friends to Jay-Z Sports Club in New York uh, to watch the show. Her friends were super supportive. But then six days later, the show producer phoned and said, no one is sorrier than us, but the show is canceled. Mm. And it was because of allegations of one of the judges had surfaced inappropriate behavior during his Days as a pastry chef. So it ruined it for everybody. Ruined it for everyone. 
you know, she felt the air just knocked out of her, her dreams of being the first black person to win a full season. So one of her friends from college put her in touch with a publicist mentor who helped her create a Facebook announcement as the winner. And talk about the domino effect. She was written up in People, uh, Variety, which led to her appearing on CNN. Hallmark Channel even invited her to do a segment on baking macarons. And after months of publicity, um, she wrote down these recipes for the for her cookbook, and she reflected on you know her grandma Willie May who taught her the million dollar cake that she makes with this is gorgeous in there, and then Grandma Leon who taught her to make uh, cornmeal pancakes. Valerie says this cookbook is really a tribute to them and all the women in her family. I just so sweet. I know. I, I just love, love this book, and it is filled with so many sweet stories. So and she never pictures. got the show. It was all just done. Facebook, she, and she just announced that she was the she winner. She announced that she, that she was the winner. Oh, that's crazy. And, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. It's really too bad, but what an awesome cookbook. Yeah, and, and neat I want, is she still practicing law, I wonder? I have no I'm idea. Not, doesn't need to anymore. Yeah. Cool. Say goodbye to your inner critic and take this pledge to be kinder to yourself and others. Oprah. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.